So let's, let's begin by looking at verses 8 through 10 together. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. So back then in that day, when you had a child that was weaned, it was great cause to be celebrated. Infant mortality was very high in the ancient world. And for a family who had means and wealth, it was always a big party. And so as has been referenced, um, Ishmael, Isaac's big brother, half-brother, was 16, 17 at the time, and he was mocking his little brother. He was making that event all about him. In Galatians 4.29, it says that Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. And this is a picture of how those who do not belong to God will persecute those who do belong to God. And we see that. I prayed for it. We prayed for it earlier today. This is to be expected for the people of God. In verses 9 and 10, we see Sarah, she did not want Ishmael to be heir with Isaac. She did not want those two children having the same life. Externally, if I've been trying to think through this, And I ask myself the question, what would it look like if the child of the promise and the child of the flesh grew up in the same house? What would it look like to the watching world? And Sarah, we have reason to, and we've seen this before with Sarah, we have reason to think that her motives are off. We have reason to think that the way she's going about this is wrong. But yet, there is an important truth that she brings up in what she asks Abraham to do. And what we see is that even when our motives are tainted, even when Pastor Kyle comes to you and speaks truth to you, but he might not do it in the right way, which I have done before, haven't I? It still means that in spite of human imperfection, God can still work through his word. And we've seen this. All, all you got to do is read church history. We've had periods of time and places throughout 2,000 years of church history where every single leader of the church was a schmuck. But yet, the people of God were still there, and God still worked through the person at the top who was no good. And if you've been under, I, I've, had, I've had at least one pastor in my life who was a drug and alcohol addict while serving as a pastor. And he left the church four months before I showed up here to be your pastor. Five months, seven months, eight months. It breaks your heart. That man was also my professor. For years, Jennifer was in his program. In the class I took with him, I got more from that one class than I did any other class during my five years of Bible college. 
In spite of our imperfections, God can use anybody. Now, that's not an excuse for us to be lazy or reckless in the way we do things. But it goes to show that God will fulfill his purpose. Even in spite of our weaknesses and our imperfections. In Genesis 16, 12, we learn something about Isaac. I'm sorry. I really don't want to mix up those names today. Forgive me. We learn something about Ishmael that is important for understanding this story and also all of world history. In Genesis 16, 12, God prophesies over Ishmael and he says he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. I'll read that again. Genesis 16, 12, the Ishmael shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So here at the age of 16 and 17, we see this taking place. We get to verses 10 through 13. So she said, Sarah said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman with her son. The son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Okay, there's God quoting his promise. We, we see this particular portion of it, I believe in both Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, that it is through Isaac. It is not through Ishmael, but it is through Isaac. That Abraham's offspring will be named. Verse 13, he goes on to say, I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. That's just mercy. That's just grace. That, that's just God. I'm going to hit myself here. But that, that's just God saying, I'm going to be good to him also. Amen. You need to send him away and you can trust me. I am going to take care of him. Verse 14, Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, I will say the way this is translated, it sounds like she had water on one shoulder and the kid on the other. But going back and looking at it very closely, it's clear that she had water on one shoulder and she probably just had her kid in her hand. And he might have even been taller than her. <laughs> so the two of them went on a journey and they departed and they wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. That's not a great place to wander in. When you look at your Bible map of that part of the world, it's kind of down in the wilderness some. It's probably where Jesus wandered in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. Is God done with Hagar and Ishmael? Absolutely not. Is, is God... Does God hate Ishmael? I mean, Ishmael didn't ask to be born. He's a product of sin. I mean, we see this in our world today. There, children, you didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be born. And people are born into very dysfunctional, sinful relationships. This happens every day in our world. So, but... 
you know, Abraham does this tiny little bit for Hagar and Ishmael and sending them away with water. But look what God does. Look what God does. Look at verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, Hagar put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off by the distance of a bow shot, for she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And she sat opposite him. She lifted up her voice and wept. So she's trying to comfort her dying boy in the final hours of his life, and she has no hope. It's all she can do. There's no 911. There's no village nearby. There's no stream. There's no creek that she can see. And she begins weeping because he's almost dead. But God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. And then in verse 18, the angel gives instruction. Up, lift the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So the command came before the provision. This happens all the time. (laughs) The command came before the provision. If God wants you to do something and you have no idea how it's going to work, do it anyway. And then verse 19 happens. Here's the provision. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God had a plan. She thought it was over. God told her what to do. And then God supplied everything that was necessary to know how to do it. Now, one of the seasons in my life where this had where we got this right was in coming up here to serve the church and we were we had lost quite a bit of our financial means in Tampa and I was beginning to look for stuff but there was nothing I was crazy about There was a long series of events that became very clear that God wanted us to come up here. And we thought what the church offered us as far as compensation was fair, but we had to leave other income in Tampa in order to come up here. And we thought, we don't know if that's enough, but we knew, we felt so strongly that God wanted us here. You know, we've got everything we need today. Let's just go do that because we think that's what God wants us to do. And deep down inside is what we wanted to do. And you know what we've had every single day since we've got here? Everything we've needed. And then some. And this is not the main point of today. I haven't even thought about this until I just read it right now. But God often commands, and then He provides. Amen. And then He provides. Is there a mountain? Is there an obstacle? Is there something that God is calling you into, and you think, I can't do that, and you come up with every reason? You know, there are some cases where it's, yeah, you may not want to do that. But I think there are many cases where we talk ourselves out of it, And God is saying, I'm going to give you everything you need as you walk forward in my plan and follow my command. 
What we see from these verses is that God has great promises. God, God, God has great provision even for those who are outside of his promise. God has great goodness even in this life, even for those who hate him. God is good to Ishmael even though he's a wild donkey of a man fighting with the people of the promise. God is good. In verse 20 and 21, we see Ishmael's life. What happened to this man? God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. That was her land. That's where she came from. So what is this great nation? That Ishmael became. It is the Arab nation. Jews came from Abraham and Arabs came from Ishmael. Have the Jews and Arabs got along very good throughout history? No. No, they haven't. And even though the Jews haven't always done everything they should have done, even though the Jews still today make some really bad decisions occasionally, No. The Arabs are still persecuting the Jews. The children of Ishmael are still fighting with the the children of of Abraham. Really, any person of faith that's not of their faith, and and their majority of them are Islamic. So what do we do with this story? I ask that question every week. What do we do with this story? And this is one of those weeks where the answer is pretty easy because Paul already did something with this story. So instead of me preaching a sermon to you, I want to preach Paul's sermon to you instead of me writing one for you. So turn to Galatians 4. It's in the New Testament. If you've got a blue Bible, it's uh, page 1077. But what's the point? What does God want us to take away From this story. Please know that the New Testament always interprets the Old Testament perfectly. Every single time. This is one book. It's not two. We don't unhitch from the Old Testament as some people would like us to believe. We need both. And they work together perfectly. And they're both all about Jesus. So chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. And that's an Old Testament quote from Isaiah. Now you, brothers... Like Isaac, are children of promise. 
But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. That is a loaded statement. If you want to understand persecution, if you want to understand church history, world history, verse 29 is packed full. Verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Look in verse 24. It says very clearly, these women are two covenants. Why is Paul bringing this up to the Galatians? All right, the Galatians were in central Turkey, like, I don't know, 20, 30 years after Jesus died and rose again and went back to heaven. Paul had traveled through that land. He visited at least twice. What is it about the people of Galatia and their situation that is causing Paul to say this? Galatian, what? Sorry, I thought you were asking me. I'm very confusing like that. I'm sorry. I I mess y'all up. I'm sorry. Um, Galatians was the first book that I preached through when I got here. Here's what was going on in Galatia. They believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, that all of salvation was from God, that God did everything that was necessary to be saved and enter the family of God, and God did everything to keep you saved. God does it all. Now we're still responsible for repenting, we're still responsible for loving God, and we're still responsible for living a life that pleases God. But those things do not earn our way to God. Those things do not keep us saved. Well, that's the new covenant. That's the way of Sarah, where you let the Lord do it. Because do you remember? They didn't. Abraham and Sarah didn't let the Lord do it. They did it themselves, and they got Hagar and Ishmael. The new covenant is where... Abraham and Sarah let God fulfill the promise at just the right time. That was done without human strength. That was done without human wisdom. Now, humans were involved, no doubt, in Isaac's conception. You know, the two of them were involved, no doubt, in his conception. But God fulfilled his promise the way he wanted to do it at exactly the right time. The other covenant, it says these these women are two covenants. What's the other covenant? The other covenant is Hagar. The other covenant is what some false teachers were doing in Galatia. So, So Paul delivered the true gospel. Everything's by faith. Even, let me ask you this. Do you get saved by faith and then you have to stay saved by works? No. That's right. No. You get saved by faith, (laughs) and you're saved by faith, okay? That doesn't change. It doesn't change. But there were false teachers that went into Galatia. They went in where there was good teaching and a good understanding of the gospel. There were people that were opposed to the gospel that seemed religious, that looked religious, and they were saying 
Now that you've been saved by the Spirit, now you have to keep certain aspects of the Jewish law. And most of these people in Galatia weren't even Jewish. But you have to do A, B, C, and D in the law if you're going to stay saved. This is such a strong theme that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul asked, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now perfected by the flesh? So you got saved because of the Spirit of God. You got saved by the new covenant. You got saved by faith. But now, in order to stay saved, do you think you have to do all this stuff? You think you have to have full ownership of your salvation? And you think you have to have your own power to stay saved and to make it happen? Paul's saying no. Every day with Jesus is a day in the new covenant. Every day with Jesus is a day where you live by faith. Every day. The the gospel, and J.D. Greer says this really, really well. He says the gospel is not like... He says a lot of churches treat, treat the gospel like the diving board. It's how they get into the pool of the Christian life. But he says, no, the gospel is the entire pool. You swim in the gospel every single day. It's the gospel every single day. It's the new covenant. Every single day we live like Abraham and Sarah when they were living by faith. We live waiting For God to complete the good work in us that He has already begun. You know what is so liberating and so wonderful about this? When I find myself in sin, when I find myself with a hard heart towards God or towards someone else, I know that I don't have to prepare a gift to bring to God. I don't have to say, God, I'm going to put a bigger offering in the offering plate next week because I know you're not happy. I don't have to do that. Because I don't buy anything from God. It's all free. It's all free. I don't have to say, Lord, I'm going to show up at the food ministry this month just to make sure everything's okay with you. I don't have to bring something to you so you're not going to strike me dead. All of life, even those darkest moments where we realize that we've messed it up. The gospel applies to us in those moments just like it was the day that we received the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time by faith. We only receive him once. I don't mean to imply that you receive him more than once. I'm just saying you receive him continuously. You receive him in an ongoing fashion. And there is no law by which you need to attempt to obey to gain merit or to earn your way of salvation. There is nothing you have to do so that God doesn't turn His back on you. What has we already learned about His promise? Does He turn His back on His people? No. No, He does not. Never, ever, ever does He do that. So Abraham had two sons. Verse 24, 
This may be interpreted allegorically. Those women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai. What happened in Mount Sinai? God gave, a, God gave Moses the law. And she bears children for slavery. That is Hagar. Sla- I believe that's a reference to the slavery of sin. Because before we're a Christian, when we're living under the law, we are enslaved by sin. Verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 25. Hagar corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. That's a reference to us belonging, being citizens of the kingdom of God, I believe. I believe that. Verse 28 is so important, and this is for us. You, brothers, are children of the promise. You are children of the promise. Verse 31. We are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. You and and read Romans 6, read Romans 7, read Romans 8 about this if you want to. If because you are a child of the promise, because you believed in Christ, because of that, you're no longer enslaved to sin. The chains are gone. Even though you feel like they're there sometimes, they're gone. Maybe you've had one or two things in your life, in your Christian life, that you've consistently and continuously struggled with. Maybe there's something about your attitude, or maybe there's something dark and there's something secret that you do when you're all alone. Regardless of whatever that sin is, here's what this means. When you feel chained to that attitude or when you feel like a chain is pulling you into that room by yourself or whatever it is that might be your thing, I want to tell you, that chain is not there. That chain is a lie. It's an illusion. That chain pulling you into sin, it's not there. If you feel that thing tugging at your leg, Take that stupid thing off and you put your eyes on Jesus and you put that sin to death, whatever it may be. You are not a child of Hagar. You do not live your life the way Ishmael lived his life. You are a child of the promise along with Isaac. You are a son of the free woman and children of the free woman, children of Sarah. They trust God by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you, God, for the cross, for the death, for the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for obeying your father perfectly and going forward in the power of the spirit. To do all that God had commanded you to do, Lord Jesus. Thank you for offering your body. Thank you for offering your blood. Thank you for starting the new covenant. By which we are saved. By which we are made new. Lord God, you are a good and glorious king. May we live our lives as children of